So, podcast starting now. See, this is the fun part of the podcast where we just let the air hang until one of us decides to start the podcast. We have a guest today. <laughs> uh, introduce yourself, guest. Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, I'm the guest for today. I'm a longtime Zelda fan and a huge fan of Majora's Mask. Um, and I guess that's why I'm here. Uh, can you prove real quick that you know this game well enough to talk about it as much as we talk about it? How quick? Um, it has to be really quick because we have a lot to get to in this episode. Um, hmm. So I just guess... like name three of their albums. What? Um, I think... Oh man, really on the spot here. Um, what is the shibboleth that that shows that you're a true Majora head? Hmm. Well, I did get uh, a phrase from the game inscribed on the back of my iPad. Does that count? That totally uh, counts. What's the phrase? Um, the phrase. Totally <laughs> the, the phrase is uh, "Dawn of the first day, seventy-two hours remain." That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think that counts. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness. You're a true Majora head. <laughs> Welcome to the fold. I mean, the the it is free to get that on the back of your iPad, but um, <laughs> it could have said anything. So, I'm trying, is there anything uh, on the back of my iPad? It's in a case, so I guess I haven't seen it in a hundred years. No, I think I just bought mine in a store. I think mine is blank. Hmm. Well, you can always do stickers or something. I should do stickers. I never do stickers <laughs> on anything, and that's a mistake. Okay, uh, podcast. Hi. Uh, <laughs> We're doing the Great Bay today. And we brought on Sarah because she claims to have, like, an interpretation of the events that take place in the Great Bay. She said, Ryan, let me on the podcast. I have an interpretation of the events that take place in the Great Bay. And I said, sigh, fine. But before we can get to the events, let's talk about what this place is, the Great Bay. Well, it's a stage from Super Smash Brothers Melee. That's right. And I said we had to talk about that. And you were like, no, we don't have to talk about well, that. Well, it's in my notes. But, so we're talking about it. Yeah. So somehow this location is like iconic enough of Majora's Mask to represent the game in Smash Brothers. Well. What is that about? Smash Brothers kind of tries to pick like usually like the most contemporary game of a series to represent in whatever entry that comes out and so at this point okay. it would have been majora's mask and they opted to choose a location where they didn't have to like change the physical geometry of the area so the level is oh you think they copy and pasted the geometry no no but like they didn't have to invent fake geometry okay if they did it from this angle and then you got to see the cool spectacle that happens at the center of the stage in the background where the moon falls down and the giants push it back yeah i feel like the first pitch for the majora's mask stage in smash was well you got to do it like under the moon and then the moon falls on you and then they thought about that for a while and realized it wouldn't work yeah that's such a good idea though uh, it would be cool if the moon was falling on you and, like, you see the moon and then, like, the legs of the giants come in on the sides of the 
the stage. That feels like it's pushed back up. It feels like if this was if they did a Majora's Mask stage for the first time in like Smash Ultimate, they've gotten dynamic enough with the stages that it would have been something like that, like a really dynamic panning ah. camera as you're like swirling around the giant's legs, and uh, it's way less elegant than what they did here, which okay. manages to show off all the cool area that you play at in the game that we're going to talk about. Yes, it's a beach and ocean and a house that is a hook. I was trying to figure that out. It's like a it's like a bait thing. I think of it as like a pirate hook. Okay. Because we do have pirates in the area that are not aligned with the guy who lives in that house, but I can't see how that is supposed to look like anything else. Oh. Can I point one thing out before we get too deep in? Okay. The Great Bay takes up the same well, a similar position in Majora's Mask as uh, the Lake Hylia does in Ocarina of Time. And they both sure. have a similar approach where they're, like, fenced off. But yeah. here, you have to you have to have, to, uh, have Epona to get it. Whereas in uh, Ocarina of Time, you can, like, clown your way around it. Uh, I, I don't remember the, like, layout of... The gate in Ocarina of it's Time. Like a, Isn't it different between time periods? I don't or is think it? so, but I haven't played the real version of that game in a while, so I don't remember. Okay. So, I jump Epona over the fence into the Great Bay area. I hear the spooky music. I look around, and I see some seagulls circling a corpse. That's terrifying. It's messed up. <laughs> It's, I mean, like, the game is famous for being super spooky and, like, macabre, but this might be more terrifying <laughs> just viscerally yeah. than any of the stuff that we've gotten so far. That's why I love this area. It's, like, I mean, it's all creepy vibes until now, but that this that scene that you're about to describe is, is more so. And you have to push this corpse across the water... Uh, onto the beach, which is some more um, like deliberate tedium uh, to add to the emotional uh, impact of a scene. You have to actually participate for a while in the grisliness. It's also one of those things that like is not an interaction you've had to do in this oh, yeah. game or in Ocarina mm -hmm. of Time to like physically push something in the water. It's, like, super awkward and not intuitive if you're thinking of it in terms of, like, well, I, I couldn't do that before. I guess I guess I can right. try that now. It reminds me of how we put the Deku Princess in the bottle. It's, like, that doesn't, that's not how that worked before, <laughs> yeah. but that's how it works yeah. now because that's what the game's decided. So I appreciate you saying that because I got stuck there for a very long time. It's something I remember well from my first playthrough. Yeah. Uh, I wandered around the entire place not knowing what to do about this, like, how to help this person. Uh, yeah, it took me a while. Not intuitive. Are you, wait, are you talking about the princess or Macau? Macau. Okay. Like, floating in the water. And I, help me. I'm like, uh, I want to. But what do I do? <laughs> What's the mechanic? Yeah. Um, yes, this appears to be designed well. When we get him up to the beach, he kind of stands up and staggers for a while. And then what happens? He keeps staggering. 
for a really long time. Okay. And then he keels over. Okay. Also creepy. But yes. at this point, I feel like I thought I was just, I had just rescued somebody from maybe not drowning because maybe that's not a thing for Zora's, but, you know, I felt like, okay, cool. He's okay now. But then, yes, keels over. He does, uh, before he dies, he's like, he, he's, he talked to him and he signifies that he's going to be dying soon. He's like, will you here listen to my final words? And Zach, do you have his final words handy? Oh, I don't. Uh, uh, you you have to read him. Okay, let me find him real quick. Hold on. Also, he's making strange noises during this whole speech. Okay, I found it. Okay, I found it by searching for the word heal. Oh sure. He says, "Uh, I am Macau of the Zora people, guitarist in the Zora band. I think this is it for me." My final message. Will you listen to it? And then you say, I'll listen because you're not a... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he pulls his cool guitar out. Um, so radical. His bonefish <laughs> guitar. And gives you his final words as a, as a ballad. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to say it. Uh, just say it. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, baby, baby, listen to me. The carnival's beginning soon. We're the ones they're waiting to see. But that girl, our vocalist, she laid some strange eggs. And she's lost her voice. You can't hear what she says. Whoa. In Great Bay Whoa. now. Something is a happening. Is it now? Oh, baby. Oh. Listen to me. I don't want to beg. Gerudo pirates, they stole that girl's eggs. I want to stop the Gerudo pirates, then pow and bam. I got knocked down, and here Baby. I am. Baby, if I die like this, even if I die, it won't be in peace, that's for sure. Somebody, please rescue her eggs before the pirates take their toll. Oh, somebody, somebody, please heal my soul. And then he says, that's all, thank you, go home, my eyes, everything's all hazy. Uh, soon I'll just be another wave in the ocean destined to disappear. So then you play the song of healing. Yeah. You do a return performance and, uh, he turns into mask, but not entirely like his ghost turns into a mask, but his dead body is still there to be turned into an incredibly grisly monument. This whole... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. It's just really tragic and, and you know, very tragic, but also terrifying. Yes. <laughs> and did Link bury him? Absolutely. I remember it as, like, his, his... He's standing up... His body is standing up on the beach with his guitar in front of him. Am I forget remembering this correctly? What? Uh, well, no, Mikau... Mikau's dead body is standing on the beach. No, it's like that's a, his grave. It's like a grave. He's buried. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's how I, I took it that he that he. Link, I must be. Link buried Macau and left a cool monument memory. there. Yeah, yeah, uh, with the guitar. The monument has, uh, like, uh, uh, Darmani's monument has instructions on how to control 
Mikal, in the manga version, the only thing interesting in the manga version for this chapter was that he writes, here lies a guitar hero on the grave, <laughs> which is really <laughs> stupid and dated, but it's great. This whole thing, I like it as an escalation of what, like, the game's been doing with the Song of Healing, where the first time we get, you know, one of the major, the three major masks, we're not even aware that the person we're, like, the soul we're healing is, like, a person, right? Yeah. It's just a weird curse that you have. And then the second time, you're encountering an already dead person, and you're able to mm -hmm. use the song of healing there. Now you actually are like present when the person dies. Yeah. It's such a mm -hmm. cool escalation of it. And there the song, like quote unquote healing Mikhail seems to be letting him die. Healing his right? soul. Yeah. Um, like we talked about earlier, the specifics of what constitutes healing, um, or like it's not always just, well, your problem goes away. It might be something a lot more complicated. So we read the tutorial. We know how to be a Zora now. Let's talk about being a Zora. You get to fly underwater. You get to use magic to have a force field. You get to um, use your arm things as boomerangs. Which is kind of wild that, like, this transformation replaces the boomerang in this game. Mm. I guess the Goron transformation arguably replaces the hammer. Yeah, because of the ground right power. Oh, yeah. And um, you might say that the uh, Deku transformation replaces the slingshot. I guess, kind of. I the the boomerang <laughs> was always kind of the weakest item in Ocarina of Time because its use case is pretty limited, mm -hmm. and like subsequent 3D Zelda games have tried to make the boomerang more interesting by giving it other things going on. Like mm -hmm. Wind Waker, you can sit there and lock onto multiple things, and I think in Twilight Princess, it's like wind elemented. I don't. Um. Is this the part where I get to complain about the change they made to swimming? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, swimming as Azora, swimming as Macau in N64 Majora's Mask is the best Zelda swimming has ever been. It's fast, it's fluid, it's really fun. It's some of the best, like, 3D movement I've ever seen. And you get this nice big playground to play with it in. It's just yeah. like my one of the biggest impressions of the game was just like, yeah, they made Zelda swimming fun. Zelda has tried swimming a lot of times and usually it's not nearly as fun as this. So when right, I right. played the 3DS version recently, I was mad that they changed it. Yeah, it's, everyone else was mad too. It's not a substantial change, but it's just enough of a change to irritate me where the default swim speed is like a reasonable normal speed yeah and then you only get the cool zippy like twirly good stuff when you're holding down the button to do the force field 
to and using mm. up your magic power. Yeah. So you can't do that forever. Dislike this change. It's like one of the main things that they changed for that hack that oh, did fixes <laughs> 3DS. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's great. <laughs> um some of the other changes are like much like stranger or more fiddly or like um pettier i think um there's something about the change to like how fast the song of double time makes things happen which is different between versions but you have to be really um anal to notice that sure we'll talk about that more on a different episode okay um because i don't remember all the details right now but yeah, uh, Zora Link gets super nerfed. It's it's not. Sorry, actually... did you play both versions oh. of this? Yeah, no, your... I never. I've only played the original version, so that okay. is disappointing to hear. That was yeah. That, I agree. The swimming is super fun in this game. I I like the 3ds version for the most part. Um, I'm trying to think. Do, do I have any bigger thoughts on the 3ds version? Not really. Just a lot of convenient stuff that makes sense for what they would do later on. Well, um, while we're here, let's go over to that house that looks like a pirate hook and go inside and we'll talk to that professor guy from Ocarina of Time. He's always a professor and he always has a laboratory and it's always a water laboratory for some reason. And he, if you talk to him as Link... Then he just, like, says something general to you, trying to get you to talk to him as Mikau. If you talk to him as Goron Link, then he says, hey, you can't swim. You better not try to swim out here. And similarly, he says uh, to Deku Link, someone as puny as you better not try to swim out here, which is funny. But to Mikau, to Zora Link, he says, hey, we got to get this taken care of with the eggs. Uh, Sarah, why don't you give us the basics of the deal with the eggs? Well, starting at the beginning? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, starting at the beginning. Where are these, what, what's up with these eggs? Where are these eggs come from? What is... Um, okay. I don't have notes on this, but they're... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you also find out about the eggs gradually. Um, yes. But... They are Lulu's eggs, and there are, I believe, seven eggs. Um, yeah. And you know that you need to find them. These are the eggs that Macau died trying to get back, which were stolen by pirates in the middle of the night from Lulu, which is really sad. Yeah. Is that everything <laughs> in the wrong order? Uh, no, that's it. I, I think so. Like, does the professor give any details of... Um, I don't think the pro the professor knows that the eggs are supposed to be on their way to him because he's the marine mm -hmm. research guy and he has the special tank with the proper alkal alkal alkalinity. Right. Uh, right I would like to know why he has this. I I think there's some really interesting stuff going on between characters in this area. Why? Yeah. Why? Why did they go to him? Like, what is his research interest? It makes sense. Well, he that, says that he yeah. set the water aside earlier before yeah. Yeah. the uh, ocean changed. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, right. 
I forgot that that's and the I, whole plot point is that the ocean's all messed up, and so it's like too right. warm or stormy or whatever. So maybe he was contracted to set aside the specific water that uh, is good for Zora eggs to hatch. I guess the that part seems I forgot to be the case. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot the beginning part where uh, Lulu couldn't speak or sing. Well, it's all, you know, it's all told out of order, yeah. too, because yeah. you can talk to, there's, like, a whole bunch of different people you can talk to in this area mm-hmm. and get different pieces of the overall picture. Yeah. Because, like, you've got the professor here, you can talk to a number of people at the Zora Hall that we'll get to, uh, you can talk to the fishermen and get a whole other chunk of this that I always forget mm-hmm. about. Um, it's not, um, no, no single one person is going to exposit the whole thing. Mm. I, I, here's what the uh, professor or guy has to say about say to Link did you also come to watch the Zora eggs hatch I'm excited about it too but those important eggs haven't arrived yet it takes about one to three days from the time Zora eggs are laid for them to hatch but they, if they aren't kept in this aquarium until then they may die the reason for this is that the recent abnormal weather has caused the ocean temperature to rise in this region Zora eggs are very sensitive to changes in the temperature. The only way the eggs can hatch is if they're placed in this aquarium water, which I set aside for them long ago. Hmm. What? The Zoras are well aware of this, but they're still late. I wonder if something has happened at Zora Hall. Cool. Uh, I'm trying to see if he says something to... Oh, I think this is what he says to Mikau. Oh, you finally came? I've been waiting for you. What about the eggs? Uh, if you don't hurry, they'll die. This isn't as expository as what he says to Link. Um, yeah, so all we know from this guy is the eggs will die if they're not hatched in the right temperature water, which mm-hmm. I have for some reason. I think we should go over to the Zora Hall, like he suggests, and find out what's going on. And yeah, Lulu, Mikau's girlfriend, has lost her voice. Oh, crud. You guys talk about this. I really want to check something. Start talking. Well, I thought get... at first, oh, I thought I remembered that she lost her voice when the eggs were stolen, but it's not that at all. She had already lost her voice. Um, and then another bad thing happened. Gosh. Which is, it's just a lot. Did she lose her voice when she laid the eggs? Yeah, isn't that what they said? She... Yeah, something weird happened. So I forget who this comes from, but yeah, it it was when she yeah, that's when she lost her voice. I didn't realize until playing this most recent time that there's actually like signs of a struggle in her room. Oh. Oh. Where at least in the 3DS version, there's a sword that is like cleaved a table in half, like one of the Gerudo swords. I kind of remember that. The storyline is so dark. <laughs> and confusing. Yeah. Uh, like, in all the other kingdoms so far, we've been able to basically keep things straight, except for, like, what the relationship of the little baby Goron to the very old Goron is. Um, mm. But here it's like, there's all these angles and this sequence of events that's very difficult to keep straight. And you could even say, like, maybe you're hearing from somebody that heard from somebody that might not be most reliable for some of that, too. Could be. Mm. 
the only person you could know is from Lulu, and she can't tell you anything. Convenient. Right. Now, what I wanted to check just now is there's text in the text dump where, like, Lulu is trying to say something. And the way it was written, I almost thought it was text for if you talk to voice lost Lulu while wearing the mask of truth. Hmm. Like, its power allows you to read her mind. That's not what happened, but that's a good idea. It is. When you tell, when you talk to, quote unquote, talk to her as Zora Link, then um, I should say that if you talk to her as anyone else, all you get is a bunch of dots because she's lost her voice. However, now it says, that sad face is trying to tell you something. You can see it in her expression. Well, wait, where's the rest of it? There's a little cutscene of her eyes as she tries to tell you something. But in the text dump, then there's some text that I don't know how to trigger. Where it says, Mikau, what's going on? Oh, this must be what it says when you uh, wake her up. Yeah. Or, sorry, when mm-hmm. you when you play the song. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reading the text dump as if this stuff, Mikau, what's going on? What happened to me? was her thoughts that you can only read under certain certain circumstances. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> so we get those pieces of the puzzle. And what we know now is that we need to go get those eggs and that the pirates took the eggs. So um, unless there's more stuff relevant to this story at the Zora Hall... I think we should move over to the pirate fortress. Does that make sense to you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's swim over there. Gotta and get those eggs. Those eggs. The other thing is, we're going to have to move these eggs around using bottles. And so this whole long quest is now like the difficulty is scaled according to how many bottles you have. <laughs> If you don't have four, then you're going to have to do a bunch of backtracking and it's going to be very inconvenient. And you have to get all these eggs in the same cycle. So it's not like a matter of you don't have infinite time to get all these eggs. I feel like four is asking a lot for this stage of the game, but maybe that was just me when I played it. It might be asking a lot. Mm -hmm. They might be trying to make this difficult or like reward the player who has done the side quests sure you know yeah mm-hmm. uh, or like incentivize going out and exploring more and doing more side quests to make this part of the game more uh feasible you have to break into the fortress by smashing like a plank with the skull and crossbones on it cool and then you enter the fortress area which is they've got this cool lagoon that they're constantly patrolling on little motorboats. Um, <laughs> and then a big steel walls filled with rivets. And it's the steampunkiest part of the game, right? It's up there. Mm-hmm. It's in sharp contrast to the other Gerd of, because again, we're going to, I'm going to compare to Ocarina of Time because that's my yeah. rule. Uh, <laughs> It's similar to, very similar to the Gerudo Fortress in Ocarina of Time, which that one's like a desert fortress, and this is a, just a straight up cool metal pirate fortress. Yes. With giant gates that are non-functional, but because you have to go around them and such. 
um, and you have to infiltrate it. It's kind of better than the Gerudo Fortress in Ocarina of Time, just in terms of the type of sneaking around you do. Ye you know what I mean? Probably, probably. I'd probably agree to that. It's a it's a 2.0 where they, I think, more or less entirely improve on it. Um, but, like, first you have to do a bunch of um, Zora swimming stuff to, like, get into the main part. There's this little mini dungeon of uh, hitting switches and moving blocks around underwater uh, that is just like, see... You, you can walk around on the ground. It's like the um, iron boots, but you can also do other stuff. They show off the Zora move set for a while. And then you get into the main part where there's Zora, or Zora, where there's Gerudo walking around. Yeah, it's like an, it also ends up being a terrorist thing in a way like the uh, Ocarina of Time one in a funny way. But this one's got a big central watchtower. And a bunch of bridges yeah. and stuff. And the individual portions are way more interesting. And it's like much more difficult to keep track of where you are. There's yeah. not a strong sense of like in, in uh, the Gerudo Fortress in Ocarina of Time, the wall, the back wall forms a very strong point of reference. Here you don't have like that directionality of the space. And so it's easier to get lost. I definitely got lost. <laughs> I I think I also stopped in the middle of it and then forgot what I was doing. And yeah, it, it's very oh, okay. tough to get around. Um, speaking of stopping in the middle of it, Sarah, you might not be aware that a guy you remember from a different part of the game is now in this part of the game. Oh. Something they changed in the 3D version is to move what's his face the invisible soldier what's his name shiro okay oh. to the uh he is in the middle of the gerudo fortress for reasons unexplained and he works the same way in nintendo 64 or he, as he does in nintendo 64 where he needs a red potion to invigorate him and if you give him an invigorating potion he will feel a lot better. He will stop being invisible, I think. You have to see him with the lens of truth to uh, interact with this guy. And if you help him, then he gives you the stone mask. That's why his name is Shiro. Mm -hmm. And the stone mask makes you invisible to all these patrolling Gerudo. And it's kind of like the change um, in the swamp where they moved the... Um, the Song of Soaring to earlier in the progression uh, because it is nice to have the stone mask here to trivialize all the stealth stuff, but it is difficult to get the stone mask before you get here because it's all the way over in the canyon zone. You really have to go out of your way to get that uh, mask before you go to the great bay and i think that's why i dislike this change as well it's yeah. where the stone mask was before incentivized you like we we're talking about with the models to like do more stuff 
outside of what the game is telling to you, mm -hmm. the main progression stuff. Now, instead of incentivizing you to go elsewhere in the game and look around and find weird stuff, they just hand you the like a easier solution to the challenge that they themselves set up. Yeah. Hmm. And they make it kind of obvious in how a tattle says, hey, do you notice a guy over there? Why can't you see that guy? I also think it's just spookier to have him over in the Spookyville. Yes. Oh, yeah. His presence here is very rando. At first, I thought they did this. I mean, I didn't know about this, but at first I was thinking they maybe they did this so that you would have to get in part way without using it. But yeah, they, most people wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, like they're giving you, they're like, there, there's a certain sense of like, if this mask is the dungeon item, then you have to like do some of the dungeon without the help and then you get the help and now you can do the rest mm -hmm. of the dungeon. But the whole place wasn't designed that way. And I don't think it makes it all the more fun to think of it that way. It's just making it easier. The thing is. I kind of agree that having the stone mask and Shiro in the stone mask way over in that very inconvenient place in the canyon is not ideal. But I think you could put him in a better place. I think that this change overcorrects mm -hmm. for that. Uh, what I I'm willing to say might be a problem with the original. I would agree with that. Anyway, I am going to get the mask and I am going to just walk around, you know, in front of all the Gerudo because I don't feel like actually stealthing around if I don't have to. Are you playing the game right now? No, no, I put it away. Oh, okay. I'm still talking to, I open up the 3DS, I'm still talking to Lulu. That sad face is trying to tell me something. I never have my 3DS over here when we record. I should probably do that, but... It's too late now. Uh, there's some good bits of the stealth stuff here, though. Tell me about it. There's, like, a cool room filled with barrels where you have to dodge around that's very reminiscent of, like, the stealth sequence in the Hyrule Castle. Yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, the whole... Uh, I was going to say cutscene, but I guess it is a cutscene uh, where you eavesdrop on a veil... Yeah. And Avail is the leader of the Gerudo Pirates in this game. Uh, I think she I think she's an analog of a No, she's not. She is. She's supposed to be um not like a uh, the same model as, but she's supposed to be a version of Naburu. Okay. Based on her name which in Japanese is Aberu. In a way that like looks uh. like Naburu. Yeah. Well, she's here with her lackey and explains like another chunk of the plot that we didn't have before. And that yes. Skull Kid came around and said, hey, there's a cool treasure out in the Great Bay Temple. But the only way you can get to it is if you have these eggs. So we got yes. Skull, Skull Kid Skull up to kid. no good again. Um, so this is wild that the eggs, like, 
Skull Kid didn't lie to these people. The eggs really do have the secret to getting into the temple. So this is Skull Kid leveraging existing information. That means that when Lulu laid these eggs that were going, like, Lulu laid some eggs that were destined to explain how to get into the Great Bay Temple. And that was always going to happen, whether the Skull Kid meddled with things or not. Right? Mm, I guess yeah. so. So, what the heck? Why did she lay a bunch of eggs that are giving the secret to get into the temple? Who decides that? Why did she lay eggs? What? What is this? It's It's really, like, it's a very cool fairy tale type set of circumstances right but it's not told to us like a fairy tale it's told to us as a bunch of weird details we have to grab from various angles and so eventually we understand the fairy tale but we're in completely the wrong like perspective to appreciate it that way i can like piece together a version of this in my head where like the eggs just happened because that was when the eggs were going to happen. And like the, the, the newborn Zora tadpoles themselves are the ones reacting to the situation and understanding how to resolve it in their like hmm. newborn enlightenment. They're able to understand that, Oh, we need to teach this song because that song will solve everybody's problems. But that's still is, like, oh, go ahead. Is this why she lost her voice? Like, is is it, was it always meant to be that they would hatch and then have the song that would bring her voice back? Yeah, does, yeah, is the magic contained in those eggs stealing her voice? Like, the, the, the vo her voice goes out of her as the eggs are hatched? And so they can only when like when you play the song for her, her, you're returning that magic to her. There's also something else about uh, it was the song that her mother used to sing to her, wasn't it? Where is that? Oh, my gosh. I think so. You're there's, right. there's something about like intergenerational like songs and music that's really interesting that I don't quite understand. I gotta see this text. Where I'm trying to it? remember because I remember they describe Macau as like a descendant of Zorn heroes, and I, mm -hmm. I think they say something similar about Lulu, but I can't remember the line in the same clarity. Um. Well, hold on. Uh, oh yeah, so at least here talking about the Ballad of the Windfish. Um, when you finish the, playing the Ballad of the Windfish in the Milk Bar, someone says, that's the song that members of the previous generation of the Indiegogos made oh. famous. And so the one you heard singing, the, uh, the, uh, sorry, the singer that Gorman heard at the Carnival of Time way back was the mother of the original Lulu, oh. mother of the current lead singer who's also named Lulu. So, but is that, 
does it say somewhere else that the um, new wave bossa nova was a song that Lulu sang? Yeah, I think so. Where though? <laughs> I can't find. Oh, wait. Um, here. Pleased to meet you. I'm Lulu. Da da da. Mikau, you came back safely. I was surprised when my voice turned that lonely island into a turtle. But that song you played for me, my mother used to sing it often, long ago. Those eggs were laid to remind me of that. That song is from when I was a very young child, so I have for- I had forgotten it. What is going on? Cool. It's such a beautiful story. That I somewhat understand. Um, gosh. Yeah. Like, the the magic is passing from generation to generation. That's so wild. Yeah. Um, and the band too. Oh yeah. Because that, it, uh, when you meet uh, Macau, doesn't he say, "I'm in the Zora band"? Like, there's only one Zora band. Yeah, I guess he says the Zora band. Unless that's just uh, him but being it's very like egotistical. the Star Fox team, or um, or it's... he's just very egotistical. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, wh- does he say Zorin? No. Because that would be easy to search for. Uh, Zorin is in the text in some other context. I forget, though. Hold on. No, like it's Zorin it's right Heritage here. or something. Talking to the um, oh, Zorin guy at Heroes. The, the researcher. Yeah. They're the, the only one among the Zora tribe who is still able to go to blows with those wild pirates. It is you with the blood of Zorin Heroes yeah. flowing within you. Um, oh, this isn't the scientists talking this is one of the band members he says i'm still keeping lulu's problem a secret from the other band members is this uh tito who's mikhail's roommate i don't remember okay um i don't think i talked to them this most recent time <laughs> you know like it's a shame that we're describing all this in such a disjointed manner but that matches the experience of the player trying to piece together this frankly labyrinthine story. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get pieces in different order too, depending on how you play. We're being true to the text. So, okay. Back to the pirate fortress. We hear a veil talk about how, uh, yeah, we stole those eggs because we want to get into the temple and get the treasure there. Um, but Avail's lieutenant is apologizing because they lost a bunch of the eggs over at Pinnacle Rock because the sea snakes attacked the ship. So that's your clue that the rest of the eggs are over at Pinnacle Rock. But first we got to get the, like, four eggs that are here, right? Yeah. We have to stealth through a bunch of places. And, of course... When we get to a room, or just before a room with an egg in it, we get to an arena where we get attacked by a Gerudo who is not fooled by the stone mask for some reason. She can see right through it, and we fight her. And it's kind of cool that now young Link gets to fight the Gerudos from Ocarina of Time. Yeah, he graduated. He's old enough to to fight those ladies. (laughs) And then after each fight, you go into a room with a big aquarium tank and you have to hook shot up into it and then turn into Zora Link and sink down into it and grab that egg in a bottle. 
it's like non-trivial amount of like tedium to have to do that each time which is pretty oh yeah neat uh we did f- forget to mention that uh after seeing the cutscene with the veil we knock a beehive loose oh yeah to scare her and her lackey out of the room so we can go steal her hook shot a very like stealth game choice to say, well, now you're going to use the environment and, uh, you know, d- cause this, like, something that in a Hitman game would be emergent, but here is scripted, right? But I think they were going for that same kind of feel. It's just a fun tool to have. It's just a fun it tool is. to have. And, uh, yeah, get we now that the place is empty, we're going to go in there and get the hook shot. In this game, Young Link gets to use the hookshot, and it's a different-looking hookshot. Because it's It's Terminal. It's a 2001 hookshot to match the razor sword. Yeah, extremely, yes. Um, Luckily, I have four bottles, so I can get all four of these eggs in one go. I'll take them back to the professor and drop them all in the uh tank and the <laughs> the eggs won't hatch until they're all together so we need to go get the rest of the eggs which are at pinnacle rock for reasons that make sense if you know why the, they have to be together eggs in retrospect they're gonna make lots of sense <laughs> so if i go to if i try to go to pinnacle rock i'm going to get lost woods and blown back by the murky water to where I started. I need someone to guide me through the maze. And so I need to go to the fisherman's hut. And the fisherman is... Is he a guy from Ocarina of Time? I don't think so. Okay, he looks so familiar, but he looks like the guy who sells beans. He does... I was just thinking that, but the guy, it can't be the guy who sells beans because that guy's already here. This must be his dad. Okay, Bean is Bean Dad. Mm-hmm. We found him. Bean Dad. <laughs> um, and he has a seahorse in a fishbowl. He is the local fisherman who has been having bad luck because the sea is all messed up. And I promise that once the problems in the ocean are fixed, he will go back to being a fisherman. But for right now, he's being a lazy guy. When you are in the, I think that when you're in the uh, hut, that seahorse tries to talk to you, whether you've got the mask of truth on or not. What this seahorse has to say is so important that it can talk to humans. It says, please get me out of here. I need to be reunited with my lover. The fisherman says, hey, I want a picture of one of those sexy lady pirates. I forget what the exact words are involved are, but what's going to happen is you're going to go all the way back into the fortress and take a pictograph of a sexy lady pirate for this guy. And then he'll trade you the seahorse for that. Are we all on the same page? He specifically already has a photo of one of the pirates, but he says it's blurry. (laughs) Although it doesn't look blurry and I've turned in like way worse photos than what he has. So, okay, wait. Does he say it's blurry in the original version? Is he, so, I don't know yes, he, he does. Okay. blurry specifically, but he says yeah, it's kind of out of, it's not, not a good picture. T- 
Technically, I do have a pictograph of a female pirate, but it's all blurry and not that great. The all-important face. I can't see it very well. Um, so, mm-hmm. or maybe he's saying that about one of the uh, ones that you submit to him. Uh, because he, you know, it's a pictograph quest, so he can judge the quality of your photo. Um, I gotta say, the room that he's in, in the 3DS version, is another excellent interior by the Grezzo team. There's so many good details. There's a picture on the wall of him with a giant swordfish or marlin that he caught. And if you happen to look up, that swordfish is hanging from the ceiling in a big net. It's huge. Oh, oh that's fun. There's also, um, next to the, like, life-size picture of a Gerudo that's hanging on his wall. I think it's blurry because he had it blown up to life-size. <laughs> There is a weird little drawing that looks kind of like a fish, but I couldn't tell what it was supposed to be until I looked slightly to the left. And there in his oven is a fish-shaped pie. And on the wall next to it is the recipe for that pie. Wow. Oh, wow. So this is bazonkers, this interior. It's amazing. Um... And I love it. There's one thing I noticed um, talking to him. Where did I? I lost it. Uh, he actually has info on the hook shot. He does? What? They, the pirates, stole the hook shot from him. Oh, yes. What? He used it for fishing. Yeah. He used Which to be the owner of the hook shot. Overkill. <laughs> that is overkill, yes. <laughs> uh, but he says that he it wasn't his origin. He wasn't mad about it being stolen because he just fished it up from the bottom of the ocean. Oh my gosh! Which is a crazy origin story for a hook shot. How did that gosh. hook shot get to the bottom of the ocean? We will never know. I know how it got there. How? It was left behind when Koholint disintegrated. Oh, oh. yeah, that makes sense. I, now I gotta look at the sprite for it. Keep going. I gotta look at the. You're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> the um. So I'm going. I when I get the picture of a sexy lady pirate, then he's pleased and he gives me the seahorse. And the seahorse, another character that you carry inside a bottle, um, says, "Let's go to Pinnacle Rock," and you let the seahorse out of the bottle under the water. And it leads you in a weird signpost maze, also from Link's Awakening, uh, where reading the signs doesn't help. In fact, I don't know what it says on those signs, because I just follow the seahorse through the water maze. If I squint hard enough, the Link's Awakening switch hookshot and the Majora's Mask hookshot kind of look the same. Awesome. If I squint really hard. Take that timeline. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you do a Lost Woods to get to like a Mario sixty four stage of a place. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's uh, dire, dire docks, but it's Jolly Roger Bay. Y- yeah, yeah, kinda. Indeed. Um, 
And it's another like showcase of Zora Link movement where you're going to zoom all the way around and um, fight a bunch of sea snakes who pop out of the wall terrifyingly. Um, I thought the sea, the eel, what's his face in, uh, what's his name in Mario 64? Unagi. It's Unagi. I thought that he was terrifying. Uh, now I play Majora's Mask, and there are these guys who are ten times more terrifying. Uh, I can't handle it. So I have to get my big brother to play this part of the game. And he does this by attacking the weak points of the snakes. And some of the snakes are hiding eggs. And I'm just now realizing that the implication is that when the pirates got attacked by snakes... Those snakes were, like, grabbing the eggs and carrying them back to their lair. Which adds to the extremely bizarre significance of the eggs. But other of the uh, snakes are guarding, like... I think one of them is guarding a piece of heart and another one is guarding the spouse of the seahorse. Is that right? Yeah, that's the important one, is that one of them is guarding the other seahorse. But that gives you a piece of heart. So are there two pieces of heart? Uh, probably not. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, because when you reunite the seahorses, they join up into a heart shape and they do a cute seahorse kiss. And that's a very important amount of super cuteness for an area that has been very grim up to this point. And they're kissing produces a heart for you a piece of heart did you mention that the seahorses are glowing and luminescent no yeah they have like a like an anglerfish thing on their heads don't they well i i I don't remember them having that i just remember them being maybe on their tails they just glow which i don't know i I remember the like do that no they don't not real seahorses but in hyrule Neither there, only in Termina, do seahorses have... I could swear that they have, like, a little deal bopper on their head that's producing the glow. They're not a very big model, so I could... I, maybe I didn't see it. Um, it looks like they have a little thing on their head, but their entire bodies are glowing, so I don't know. Oh, well. Um, the love story between the seahorses, I think, functions as, like, a thematic echo of the story between Mikau and Lulu, right? Yeah. Of fish that need to be brought back together. And so yeah. I guess what we need to do now that we have the rest of the eggs is go back to the lab. We don't take them directly to Lulu. She doesn't know what to do with them. <laughs> Dump them all back in the uh, tank. And now that all the eggs are together, they hatch And we find out that the life cycle of Zora's is egg to adorable tadpole thing. And then something else. And then like the humanoid Zora's that we have seen around. I have a theory on the something else. Uh, Do I want to hear that? Tell me this theory right now. Okay. Uh, The Zora tadpoles end up looking just like... uh, Here's the Skyward Sword segment of our podcast. Um, in Skyward Play Sword, the Skyward Sword segment theme. 
there's a section where you have to do a like a water part and you collect tad tones oh which are musical note tadpoles okay and then you get a song based on doing that um but they're just like free floating in like a pool they're not but you think that those are baby zoras that maybe they're baby zoras in the middle evolution is the uh perella i think that's what they're called which are like weird like squid fish things in skyward sword in skyward sword yeah okay so maybe maybe um but these guys are adorable right oh yeah definitely and they immediately turn into musical notes so that they can use the convenient staff lines on the back of the tank to spell yes. out the melody of the new wave bossa nova i love that the tank has the lines on it it's so good yeah I definitely didn't notice that until it was necessary, and it's really cool. <laughs> it's totally passable. It's just like death lines, mm-hmm. too. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Stroke of genius by original art team, not even the genius Grezzo art team. <laughs> they, uh, so, and the researcher is super bowled over by this revelation. He's like, holy cow, I can't believe this. Do you know what this means? But he doesn't say out loud what it means because you figure it out for yourself. If it's a song, you break out the fishbone guitar and you learn the new wave bossa nova. And we take that back to Lulu and we play that song and it brings Lulu's voice back. And it also wakes up the giant turtle that was there all along. So there is even more going on here than we, like, when we get into how crazy this story is, we forgot to mention that there's a giant turtle that's asleep that will only wake up when it hears the song of Lulu's mom, Lulu, that was passed down genetically into Lulu's babies, along with her voice. And it wakes up the turtle which is the secret of getting into the great bay um what i i like that you ascribed it a very fairy tale quality because it's extremely that yeah yeah it all makes sense if you don't try to think about it too much (laughs) (laughs) it it really feels like there's there was like a version of the game where some storyteller character says like maybe tells the same story like uh when granny in clock town tells stories she mm. talks seems to be talking about present events as if they're in the past and so i can see a similar character saying here uh well you know lulu's mother lulu she had such and such story the blah 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 sing this song to wake up the um turtle because blah 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 great bay temple blah 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 and then you have some sentence about how she would pass down that song to her children and that hopefully she would pass down you know like you could you could put it all into explicit fairy tale terms Mm -hmm. in a way that would be very easy to grasp but it's like they cut out that part of the story Mm 
or that that telling of the story and just left in all the references to it. You're just getting snippets like with everything else in this game. I love that. It's just like three days in the life. Hmm. It's fun. It's it's a cool way to tell a story. Getting bits and pieces from different people that may not have the full perspective on everything. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of echoes of like the whole theme of the Zelda series having like a different link and uh some of yeah. the same songs and yeah, the same legends. Oh shoot, you're right. Yeah, it's layers. There's all kinds of layers. <laughs> Uh, look at everybody. Look at your notes and see if there's anything that uh, we forgot. Well, are they? They don't come right out and say Lulu and Mikau are like together, I, right? Good point. I always want to. I always refer to Lulu as Mikau's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Again, it's just all implied by the various notes and and snippets of conversation. Yeah, I think Sarah's right. I don't think there's anything anything explicit, like, at all. And anything implicit there could be read otherwise, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I always read, uh, like, I could have swore that he just calls her his girlfriend, or someone does at some point. And then, for me, the idea that these children, or these eggs were laid out of wedlock seemed to be part of the story like her shame associated mm. with that was why she had lost her voice hmm. um, well at the very least that might be why people are not giving you more information mm. or like talking explicitly about the situation just giving little snippets um and these are celebrities these are people that like yes mm. well the the lead guitarist and the lead singer surely they must be dating and so she's having eggs <laughs> we you, you gotta imagine we know who the other party is um and so when whatever band member says i've managed to keep lulu's condition a secret from the other guys mm-hmm. i think there is kind of a, a like kid-friendly sublimation of a sexual scandal going on in this storyline. Oh, that makes sense. Right? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it can, it can totally be that way. But it's all, it's left vague enough that it, it's kind of fun to speculate. Yeah. Also, he totally yeah. didn't keep it a secret. No. <laughs> <laughs> what a good story. What a good game. Yeah. Uh, my, my last note is, like, we kind of... Uh, criticize the new wave bossa nova in previous episodes for being the song that does exactly one thing where the other songs are cool because they get used in different places Mm. um but like the story around the new wave bossa nova is so much cooler than the stories around any of the other songs that you know i guess it makes up for it that's true it can do things in other games and other days that we just don't get to see. Ooh. Other generations. Oh, gosh. Zach, hmm. is there room for this in your ROM hack? Uh, sure. It's fine. I've got the the 64 expansion slot. We're good. All right. All right. I can fit all sorts of stuff. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thank you for being on the podcast, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me. It's always fun to yeah. Thank you very much. Nerd out about Zelda. It's the best game to talk about, probably. Yeah. And um, well, in the next episode, we're either going to talk about the Great Bay Temple or we're going to do some goofy stuff Zach came up with. So get ready for that.